Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Home and Away, a podcast devoted to all things in and around the world of sporting Kansas City soccer. I am Drew Vanderplug, joined once again, as always, by my good friend Cody Welton. This week on the podcast, Sporting Kansas City did what they have often done this season when going on the road to play an opponent. They lost. They have one road victory on the season, and they were unable to add to that tally against a fairly depleted Inter-Miami side due to international call-ups last Saturday in Fort Lauderdale. This has been a familiar refrain for Sporting Kansas City over the past several months. Play really well and get the fans' hopes up. And then show up next week and make a number of poor mistakes in the ensuing match, leading to a loss that has said fans wondering if they can realistically expect from this team for the rest of the season. There will be a quote-unquote major player announcement on the Thursday afternoon, according to a press release the club put out today. All signs point to that being the contract renewal of one significant goal scorer. We will discuss the pros and cons of that potential decision and what it might mean for the future of the club. Bruce Arena somewhat abruptly resigned late Saturday, just before the Revolution staff were meant to go to their post-game press conference. He had been placed on administrative leave pending an investigation by MLS front office into alleged inappropriate and insensitive remarks. And MLS on Saturday confirmed that, quote-unquote, certain allegations were valid. There is a lot to unpack regarding the situation and the fallout in the staff and player situation sense. Finally, the U.S. men's national team won both of their friendlies against Uzbekistan and Oman, the latter being a much more capable performance than the former. We will discuss quickly the current U.S. men's national team picture as well as Sporting Kansas City's upcoming trip to Minnesota. Cody, we've been saying for several weeks that this Sporting KC team being somewhat of a paradox is unfortunately just who they are. Uh, They are inconsistent, they're mistake-prone, mentally weak at times, especially on the road. And there are some folks talking about their potential for making the playoffs, and while I can see where they're coming from from a mathematical perspective, I find it hard to believe that this team is capable of producing the consistency necessary to actually achieve it. Yeah, I I thought that they were done before league's cup frankly <laughs> um maybe i didn't come out and, and state it uh strongly but i i definitely uh um i definitely had my suspicions as such and you know i think that's a big part of the reason why is they're just um they're just maddeningly inconsistent and um you know we've talked about this before but i'm just gonna like like the thing the worst thing about it is that um a lot of times it's veterans making mistakes. I mean, the young fullbacks, they, you know, they didn't have great games, uh, but, but Melia had a terrible game and um, you know, a lot of the other veterans didn't, uh, didn't play much better. And, you know, you, when you, when you, when you focus on, um, on a roster that's full of veterans, um, even your depth is veteran. Um, you, you really expect to, to come out and play better than that and to be able to be, you know, more, uh, more flexible and more durable, um, and and um, they're just not. And um, I don't. Again, it's 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 kind of a mystery as to what that is. Is it a squad construction problem? Are there players that are that are setting that kind of culture, or is it uh, or is it a coaching problem? Um, and you know, I I don't know, man. I I kind of tend to come down on the coaching problem side of it, um, but at the same time, I mean. <laughs> 
we saw this team last week put together some beautiful goals, right? And um, and and at times it's capable of playing, you know, some really really um, aesthetically pleasing and um, and uh, really sound um, soccer, but. I, it's it's not worth the trade off in my opinion honestly they just get disinterested at times seems like I, it. I, and that, that that's what it feels like it's just like the level of intensity the level of interest in in performing at a high right. level seems to seems to be fairly unpredictable and um i i will i will push back on saying melia had a terrible night he had one really terrible mistake he made a couple really nice saves. One of them was an offside goal. The other one on Robbie Robinson, he was like basically skinned Rosero and Davis and was dead on goal. And he, and he saved that. It would have been 4 1. So I, I think that he made one really boneheaded mistake. Um, Andre Ufantos obviously made a boneheaded mistake. Um, not the, the whole situation with the ref notwithstanding, like if you're going to try to delay the game and hold the ball, then hold on to the ball. Don't let someone just steal it out of your back pocket. Um, there's just, but this is the thing. There's just, they just, they lose their concentration. They, they're a little bit too comfortable. Is that, is that, does that make sense? And I think that's where you're going with the coaching part of it is that when everyone's a veteran, when a coach has made it clear that veterans are trusted and get many opportunities to fuck up and come back from it, that, they they feel a little bit too comfortable and, and and that's what it feels like to me. It just feels like a bunch of dudes that are a bunch of good friends and, and I'm sure the locker room atmosphere is great, but there's not that level of intensity towards, you know, if I, if I screw this up, I'm going to be on the bench. Yeah. No, I, you know, there's somebody coming behind me. That's going to take my job. I don't feel like that. And, and, and Vermes discusses that as being an important part of a competitive soccer team is to that iron sharpening iron thing. And, you know, this is the whole conversation when we brought in Tim Leibold and you have Leibold and then Denbe, and then you end up sending off Ben Sweat and it's like, Oh, it's going to make these guys better. And then Denbe has performing, been performing better since then. Um, I could say the same thing about Eric Tommy. He's been performing much better since having to sit a little bit because Gotti Kinda got back to health. And we'll talk about Kinda's situation here in a little bit, but there's a lot of guys who that, that that's not the case. There's nobody pushing Andre Fantas out of the starting lineup. Yeah, not even close. Robert, Cast- Robert Castellanos was bad in the twos game this yeah. weekend. Yeah. Like there there's nobody pushing him out of his spot. Yeah. And I, and and I and and those are these are the guys that continuously make these kind of mistakes. I, I think that a lot of their mistakes, um, my impression of it, and this is might be reading too much into it, but my impression of it is that is that they are trying to take their foot off the gas in order to control the game, um, and that that's that's a directive from the coach. Like like we just want to we want to uh, we're we're not a track meet team. We're not going to get in a track meet. We score a goal, fine. We're gonna we're gonna just possess the ball, um, and and that would be fine if they were able to do that. Uh, and not give up chances, but they're just, they're not. And, and I think as you pointed out, when the danger of, of, of playing that way is that you, um, is that you, you take away the intensity and once the intensity is gone, um, you know, a team, a team like, uh, like Miami, uh, can really take advantage of it. And I think that they did. And, you know, the, the goal that, um, that they gave up the first goal uh, is really about um, a, a, a completely lackluster, half-assed, 
um, mushy press, right? That doesn't that doesn't really do anything. It doesn't really accomplish anything. It's just some dudes kind of running around and in, in in general areas, and and they just let they just they just they just let boost. Miami's press Miami's press was closing Kansas City's players as they yeah. received the ball. It was closing hard and making them forcing them into a decision. Kansas City's press was just sort of running near them. Yeah, the, there was no there was no bite to it. There was no actual attempt to get into a duel and, and take the ball off them. There was and, nothing. It was just this sort of like I'm sort of in the vicinity kind of stuff. And the the worst thing about it is is their press left uh, pockets of space for the one player on the field that you don't want to give that to, and that's Busquets. And um, I I I kind of expected Vermes to handle uh, Busquets a little bit better, but. Uh, but that first goal is all Busquets just sliding into a little bit of space, receiving the ball, and then boom, they go. And the, there's too much space in between the midfield and the and the the, the defensive line. And Busquets uh, is able to to find another midfielder who then uh, shuttles the ball forward. And and next thing you know, we're like we're just cooked because um, because they just passed around our midfield like it wasn't there. Uh, even though we have a, a three person midfield of of guys who are not bad players and who are hard workers and 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 run a lot um and and I think you know one of the things that that really did uh was just underline what we've been saying all along that that uh, Voltaire is just not he is not a six he's just not he's not cut out for that role and he was way out of position and um and was left you know uh, chasing to to recover and it just it was it was a Which disaster to Amelia ends up Right. Making a terrible, terrible late decision to come out of goal and yep. and makes a dumb foul, right? Yep. Um, it, it it's just it, that that was a bit of a domino situation, and I think a lot of people are going to chastise Amelia and appropriately. Like we we this is of all the things that we like about Amelia, his decision making coming off his line we've said for years is not good. He's too inconsistent. He's too indecisive. And then, then it causes him to make a decision too late, and you end up seeing what we saw there um, with him giving up the penalty. But I think that I think your point is valid: is that 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 situation never happens if Sporting is managing its midfield counter pressure effectively. Yeah, and and, and that's something that they're normally not this bad at. But Miami just had just a different level of intensity with their midfield than we did. It was just, it was very clear the whole game that I know sporting ended up with the majority of possession in this match. But again, we get in this conversation you're talking about, it's like slowing the game down and keeping it from getting too out of hand. And part of it is because Miami had a much younger lineup, Jordi Alba and Sergio Busquets uh, excluded. Obviously they had Facundo Farias. They had Leo Campana. They had a bunch of very young active players on the field because Leo Messi and Josef Martinez and all these other guys are out in international duty. They had to sign two guys from their twos who actually made appearances in this game, by the way, don't get me started on the ability to integrate young players versus sporting Kansas city's ability to do it. But they, they were much more active in the midfield. Their their midfield was significantly more active than Sporting's was. And they, they like you said, Sporting seemed to just sort of try to hold on to the ball to, to slow things down. But, but meaningful possession was way more on Miami's advantage in this game. 
like actual meaningful possession that was doing something with the ball was much better for Miami. It didn't get better for sporting until they got down three, one and made some subs and kind of went to that four, four, two, four, four, one, one with a God and Polito on the field. Um, uh, Felipe Gutierrez has not shown anything that merits him starting over uh, the other Felipe. Uh, I and I and I understand that the other Felipe has you know holes in his game too, and 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 there are things that he does that are problematic. But at least he brings the energy all the time, and um, and the 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 whole like I said it's just what we keep saying the, the whole point of putting veteran players out there is so they don't make mistakes and so that they 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 keep the game in front of them and they're able to read the game better and know what's going on and and if they're not able to do that uh, consistently then why why are they out there you know why it doesn't make sense to me it's so frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I I could make a situational argument about the fact that Felipe's pressure is not always that effective either. Yeah, sure. He's running a lot. Um, He's not always, but, um, and I mean, Felipe Hernandez, his, 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 his pressure isn't always that effective either, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, but that's, I think the point that you're making is, is that what's the difference? Right. right? At the end of the day, at the end of the day, there's no, I mean, there's no difference uh, except you're, you're giving a young guy minutes and. Um, and maybe there's still some upside there at this point. It's kind of getting, uh, doubtful, but, uh, we, we, we've beat this horse. It's dead, you know, but it's, it's, it's just frustrating. The thing that, the thing that I have, um, sort of taken in for the majority of this season. And I think you could say this goes back to last season as well. Um, sporting makes in these games that they lose that are kind of frustrating to watch. Sporting makes significant mistakes that the opponent punishes. But they rarely force their opponents into similar mistakes that they take advantage of. When Sporting scores goals, they're beautiful. Beautiful build up like, oh, cut through some guys and I, man, I shelved like Alan Plito's goal was gorgeous. And it was an unbelievable individual play stepping over DeAndre Yedlin and then just coming through and then putting it into the side netting. But it wasn't like Miami made some terrible fucking mistake on that play that allowed him to get that space. It was an individual brilliance kind of thing that turned into a goal. You, Drake Callender Drake gave up a rebound on the first one that Shallowy pounced on. But rarely does Sporting get those that's, types that's of goals. That's what we call a, a Macintosh. I didn't know if you knew that. Yeah, okay. it, was, it, was a, it was a Macintosh special. It yeah. absolutely was. And Drake Callender's been playing great up until now, so I don't think that the, the Miami is necessarily that concerned about it. You know, shit happens sometimes. He doesn't have a, a a litany of of these on his resume that you can point to and go, "Hey, this is a problem." But but Sporting doesn't get those goals. The vast majority of the goals they score are these like, man, we really like just totally like switched you through and broke you down and individual brilliance and got us got the shot in. And that's the thing that frustrates me is that they don't force their opponent into mistakes like this, but so- they are often on the receiving end of it. The, the reason they don't is the reason we've already identified many times in the past, and, and it's that they 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 are not direct enough when they need to be. Um, and that the, the, the perfect opportunity for the to, to demonstrate this is actually the lead up to um, to uh, Miami's first goal. We we get the ball out on the break uh, to Polito. He's out, you know, shaded towards the right half space, maybe even the right wing, and um, and instead of 
instead of instead of you know attacking a transition a defense that's in transition the ball gets recycled back and it comes back to him and he loses loses the ball and then that's that um and uh, you know it, it's it, it's just time and time again instead of instead of pouncing when teams are in transition when they're vulnerable we just we just let them we wait and we let them get their defense set and then we decide to go i mean that's why those goals are so pretty is because you know they're they're against like 10 guys back there in the box and it's like oh wow you did that great but but you know we have to be able to take advantage of of times when um when they're in disarray and and we can get easier goals than that yeah you're not gonna you're you're not gonna um i mean look at st louis Say whatever you want to about how lucky they've been this year and how vastly they're overperforming their underlying numbers. They create easy goals. Their style of play creates goals that where they're one on one with a keeper, um, and and sporting doesn't do that. And I, 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 when you were discussing kind of you know how that that whole situation with Polito and then how it ended up becoming a turnover and then Busquets going the other way, it was I was left to think about the fact that. And this is something I've brought up for a while. There are no consistent creative passers in the midfield. So they can't go direct. They don't have people capable of hitting that ball. They've got a bunch of uh, like sort of direct sort of run at the goal guys. They don't have a whole lot of creative passers. Yeah. Um, And the one guy who's sort of a creative passer is injured slash on national team duty. Yep. And um, and so I, I've said this earlier this year when Gotti came back that I thought that he was the ceiling for this team yeah. because uh, he, he's, he does actually get on the ball and look for a pass in that circumstance. He will drive forward and look for that pass. Tommy has shown the ability to hit crosses and whatnot, but not nothing like – Nothing like you expect him to like unlock a defense. Um, seeing a seeing a player like Polito sort of shading into space and like looking for the pass that releases him into that space and puts him on goal. Like we don't have guys doing that. Um, so, but but, but that and that look that's fine. You can have a successful team without that. But that means w- that when you win the ball back, you got to go to goal immediately. Like Tommy can do that. Polito can do that. Shallowy can do that. And so it's a it's a it's a conscious decision, um, and that's drilled into the to the players by the coaching staff. That uh, it's okay if 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 the thing that you want to see isn't there, you just pull it back and, and you recycle and you possess and you look for the thing that you want. But you know why, but you know why that is right? Because they don't want to get the midfield too separated from the back line, because if they turn it over when they do that, they're totally Mm -hmm. fucked. Then they need better better midfielders then because it happened anyway. Well, no, but what I'm saying is, is that if they get too many numbers forward, their, their, their center backs are not capable of defending space. They, they can't defend space. They're fucking terrible at it. So like, that's the problem. Like this is, this has been the, um, the trade-off, if you want to say that, Mm -hmm. that, that they have made with this roster, which is we are going to employ center backs who are passers and, you know, you know, I don't even know what you call Rosero, but he's a a wild card. card. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
um, aggressive, aggressive uh, uh, pressing center backs. Mm-hmm. I guess you could call them that, but they're they're they absolutely suck at defending transition. I mean, you saw what happened when um, when uh, Busquets, you know, uh, stole the ball from Fontas and sent it forward. I mean. They ran. I mean, Rosero ran back really well, but then he seemed really confused as to what to even do yeah. with Varias once yeah. he once he got there. I mean, it's just, so like it's bizarre it's just, that you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna ha- play in a system that absolutely requires your center backs play a high line uh, and see a lot of the ball, and but the, but then you're not gonna have uh, guys who can de- defend in space. It is. It's. I mean, it's, preach to the choir, a, dude. Preach, please. It, it's so <laughs> it's so crazy to me. Like, and 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 as we've said before, you know, the the the. Uh, it's okay. Fontas has a lot of really great skills, but at some point, you have to say, like, the is he bringing is is what he brings in attack and passing is it worth the, the defensive liability that he presents? And like time and time again this season, it's like no, not really. No, not really. Um, and uh, I I I don't know why <laughs> Robbie Volander can't ever get on the field, even in in like garbage time. But uh, it's just it's it's uh, it's a problem, man. I just I feel like and, and I've said this before, I feel like the game model is too house of cardsy. I just feel like it requires like you it needs it needs too much of everything to go right. Yep. And now granted, when it goes right, it looks fucking great. Yep. But it can fall apart way too easily. Yep. Like there's no baseline. There's no like base level of competency. Like one seven and six on the road this year Bad. should tell you everything you need to yeah. know, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, and I'm not saying look, MLS on the road is hard, but but if you're gonna compete in this league, you gotta be better than that. Yeah. If you want to tell me that you think that this team legitimately has a shot at the playoffs, they gotta be way fucking better than one seven and six on the road. Yeah. Well, and even if they do make the playoffs, where do you think they're going to be playing on the road? On the road, so you know, whatever it doesn't even matter. I mean, I, I, a lot of it, I think, is is I don't know. Some of, a lot of it comes down to defensive strategy from the get go, and you know, we see time and time again the soft mid block in the uh, 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 um, on the road, and it just I don't know what the answer is because um, I'm I'm not that high a level of coach, but it's whatever it is. It's not, it's not this. And, um, and I, I, the, so the easy solution to look to is to, is to, you know, run a double pivot or something like that, but that's just not going to happen when I mean, we know that now. And, well, and it's well, just, you know what, you know, what sucks about this is that sporting almost tied this game. Leibold had it on his foot. Yeah. And just couldn't hit the damn frame. Yeah. And, and they played like shit yeah. most of this match. <laughs> they did not play well. Like they they really didn't. Miami Miami was a was not at full strength. They had a couple key performances from players, Leo Campana, Facundo Farias, obviously Busquets and Jordi Alba had had good games as well. They're those guys are world class players. We expect them to be, you know, playing well. Uh Yedlin sort of skin shallowly on the assist that he got. Um and obviously Jake Davis is not we know Jake Davis is not good in the air. That's just not his forte. Yep. Um, I mean, Davis didn't have a great game in general. This was his first sort of shit show, I would say, yeah. in 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 several months. So I'm gonna give him a pass on this, and I hope the coach does too. Um, 
I mean, I don't. I mean, Zussi's finally. Is that is that, is that is that Graham Zussi's music? I hear. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe that's the maybe that's the the big player announcement yeah. we're going to talk about here is is Graham Zussi's contract extension. No, I, I think uh, I mean Zussi's just back to to training in full this week, so I would be surprised to see him. Um, yeah, I, I think he's going to be available, but I'd be surprised to see him start. Uh, I I just I think that um, that. It's not like Miami was playing some out of this world soccer. No, I mean they still they still almost gave away a drama in this game. Yeah, they're not they're not a good defensive team. And, they're terrible defensively. And, uh, they're, they're they're very they're very available to attack. Yeah, and and Sporting did not successfully expose that as yeah. much as I think they could have. And that that's the part that's frustrating me because they have attacking players that could do that. And that's what's frustrating me about Miami in general, even since Messi's gotten there, is that everybody's so worried about defending Messi that they're not really like attacking uh, Miami's back line, which is porous. And I mean, Kamal Miller is a good defender, but the rest of them, I mean, I, I would say Kristoff has played well when Christoph he's there, but Kristoff Christoph was on international yeah. duty. <laughs> and, and it's not like Jordi Alba is like, a good defensive player that's never been he's that he wasn't a good defensive player when he was at barcelona much less the 35 year old version of him playing in miami yeah and and they're very available and busquets is you know he's like half he's half trotting around the field man like you can get this team in transition and they just don't they no one does it no one no one pushes it and neither did neither did sporting and it's just it's really fr- until they were down 3-1 they get down 3-1 and all of a sudden oh shit we need to score some goals and then they try and well, i'm like well you can't do that for you, you you have to do this for more than 20 minutes like it can't just be the oh shit we need goals now because because that's when the game plan goes out the window and you just rely on your good players to do shit and that is I mean, that's another indictment of the coaching frankly right is that uh, is that when, when you're just you're throwing shit at the wall, your good players can make stuff happen, but within your game model, uh, they're having difficulties. Yeah, and I'm, I, I'm 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 really fucking pissed off. I, like this game really pissed me off. Yeah, because they, there is no reason that they should have been. They should have given control to this Miami side. Yeah, absolutely none whatsoever. They were on a full week, uh, full week of rest. Yes, they had to travel to Miami. Yes, it's humid there. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Okay, fine. This is a Miami team that has eight guys out on international duty. Yeah. Well, seven because Drake Calendar came back. He was able to play. They have eight. They had seven guys out on international duty, and you can't. You have the. You obviously had the same starting lineup you had when you beat St. Louis because that's what you put on the fucking field, <laughs> and they made your same halftime sub for Radia, uh, for Felipe Gutierrez. You had the exact same set, uh, like set of players that you had last week when you beat St. Louis at home, and you come out and you put up this turd sandwich of a performance that was just sort of uninspired, sort of, uh, sort of like you said, the soft mid block, the sort of just letting things go, just sort of like not really attacking them that heavily. I just don't get it, man. Like I, this team, if they want to be a playoff team that has any shot of doing anything in the playoffs, they have to take control of games that this game model does not work if it is not played on their terms. Yeah. Period. Yeah. And so when you give the control of the game to the other team, 
you're reacting the whole time and reacting is not what this team <laughs> succeeds well at right. they have to have control for their game model to work and so i just don't understand why you would ever enter any game in a situation where you're like oh we're gonna you know we're gonna watch out for this and just be conservative here like yeah. that doesn't make sense to me like there's nothing about that i that ideal ideology that makes sense knowing what this team needs to be successful it doesn't make sense to me either and uh, but but i would say we've seen it at so many times with this group of players that it's just that the pattern is uh you, you can't ignore it you know it's 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 there and it would suggest that you know one of two things or uh, i guess it could be both of them either either the roster needs a massive turnover or the coach needs to go or both right because because whatever this is it's just really not working and um and it's it's not going to work it's not going to work any better next year than it did this year unless there's a, a significant change yeah i mean one thing's for certain is they desperately need a really good center back none yeah. of this half-ass shit like i i like danny rosero i don't dislike him as a player but he is not a marquee center back in this league yeah and Andre Fantas definitely isn't anymore. Even if he was at one point, he's definitely not now. And if you put two sort of mediocre center backs out there and then don't play an aggressive ball control style, yep. you're going to be in trouble. Are there any were. Are there any good uh, center backs available this uh this offseason? Hey, I wonder. I wonder if there are. I mean, I don't I don't think there's any chance that um well, so we're talking about Miles Robinson. He's a free agent. Um I don't think there's any chance he signs for a non Atlanta United MLS team personally. Um realistically, I just don't see it, but Sporting potentially has the flexibility to back up the Brinks truck and make him a DP, give him Walker Zimmerman money. Uh, I don't know that there are many European teams that are going to give Miles Robinson two and a half million a year. Like realistically, I don't know that 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 is likely. Yeah, he, um, he he's not a young player anymore. He, he's twenty six. Uh, he's twenty six. He's, he, he's had a major he's, Achilles yep. injury. Yeah, I, I I don't. I mean, I'm not saying that he'd fail a medical. He's been playing great for Atlanta this year, and he played great for the U.S. Men's National Team last night. But I I don't know. Your, that. European clubs just don't. They just don't spend money on players like that, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. when when you, why why do that when you could go get a guy who's you know four or five years younger uh, without that injury? A, a 26 year old making the move from MLS to Europe. Uh, if you're talking top five league, they might they're expecting him to start immediately, right, right? And I just don't think they're doing that in January. No. Like, I mean, unless something bad happens to one of those, one of those guys takes a bad injury. But even still, once that happens, you know, you're there, you're a starter for half the season, and then they're going to bring somebody else in. I, I just don't think that. I don't know. We'll have to see what the market is for him, but. Um, that is the kind of defender that sporting needs. Yeah. And they, they have that, to have that's the kind of that's the kind of big player announcement I'd like to hear about because I mean it's worked for Nashville. Nashville has made this work. They have Walker Zimmerman as a DP, but they also have Hani Mukhtar and they also they they've built a really good um like and and granted Nashville is not a possession team, but they are an entertaining high performing soccer team. And um 
I think that I've asked you this before, whether on this team, it makes sense to spend a DP spot on a, on a defense, on a center back, because it's become so clear that they have a hole in the game model when with weak center backs. I think that what what we've seen is that it makes sense to throw money at the players who will be starting uh, because so often we don't see the depth pieces at all. So there's no point. Um, That's the other fucking there's, thing. There's no Dude. point. <clears throat> there's just no point. I had to watch Facundo. I had to watch Facundo Farias like run rampant up the yeah. right side of our of our defense or uh, up the left side of our defense all night long, and our U twenty two attacker plays twelve minutes a game. Yeah, and 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 so, like that's where the the, the money needs to go to a, 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 a high quality center back, sure, uh, and but it also needs to go to uh, something with the uh, the defensive midfield spot because we can't. Um, it, it's obvious that that um, uh, Rodoya's got injury issues or fitness issues or whatever. He's had that ever since he signed. Um, and he's never really been uh, full fit for a, a run of games. Maybe he will be, maybe he won't be, but you can't, you can't rely on Remy Voltaire to be his backup. Um, and that's not even, uh, that's not even getting to the fact that, that we have zero wing depth, right? Um, that's I mean that, that's that, that's that's capable of yeah. that, that has any upside, right? I mean, we we have guys we can throw out there like Kyrie Shelton and maybe Marinus Jonas, but um, but like that's it, right? I mean, it, it it's got to be the starting players or nothing. I mean, I I don't know. It's I mean, you can say what you want uh, about like fitness or injuries or coach's decision or whatever it is, but Nemanja Radia has only cleared 2000 minutes three times in his entire career. Okay. <laughs> um, his, his biggest minutes number was this, uh, when he was 23 at Celta de Vigo. And I think that was, no, that wasn't even the year they played in Europa league. Cause they finished like 13th that season. So I, he's, he's cleared 2000 minutes three times in 10 seasons, 11 seasons. Okay. So, yeah, there's something to be said for that. And this is, I mean, this is a whole separate conversation that we've had before. I think a lot of our frustrations are kind of coming out right now because we see, like, we we see the, the, the potential that exists. And then we see the absolute inverse of it. One of the things about, about Sporting Kansas City, which has been good, about them for many, many years was that the floor was pretty high, right? The ceiling might not have been as high as the biggest spending teams in the league or the most, you know, most popular teams in the league. Okay, whatever. But they were always a hard team to beat. The The, the range of performances from this club over the past couple of years have been con- candidly a little bit shocking they they have the ability to look like one of the most adept possession teams i've ever seen and then they also have the ability to look completely disorganized disinterested and error prone 
And that version of Sporting Kansas City just doesn't doesn't it's surprising to me, given the coach and given his ideals. And I'm struggling to see, like like I said, there's enough of a trend of this at this point that this performance is going to come out at some point, which means you're not going to get a consistent run of good. You're going to get this shit sandwich every now and then, which means even if they somehow get in the playoffs, they're not getting anywhere. Because they have not consistently shown an ability to get keep their shit together for more than a couple games at a time. Yeah, I think that uh, really for throughout the Vermes tenure, it just underlines the fact that that Roger Espinosa has been the Vermes MVP for or the MVC and the, the most valuable or the player, oh, I messed it all up. The, the most valuable player uh, for Vermees' career is what I was trying to get to. And- You're on mute, Cody. Jeez. Man, it's been a We're do like the Shades of Blue guys and put that in the fine jar. Somehow you muted yourself in the middle of a rant. That's that's high, that's high quality. I must, have been, I must have been really upset. I don't even know where I left off. Uh, Something the, about the most valuable player of Vermes' career. It's 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 But it's Vermes. Oh, my gosh. It's Espinosa. It's Roger Espinosa because that's the player who dominated the midfield. That was the ball winner. That was the the steal. That was the, 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 the person who who really uh, led the midfield and made sure that uh, it was difficult to play through always. And uh, that player just does not exist. And, um, and without him, and especially without uh, Radia, the, the midfield is just soft. It's easy to play through. Um, it's, it's, it's pathetically easy to play through, honestly. Is it a steal and bite problem or is it just a uh, too much like aimlessly running around problem? Like, that's what I feel like it is. It, I just don't feel like they're uh, you say what you want about Roger, about being aggressive and getting into tackles and all that stuff. What makes Rod what made Roger so good and still makes him extremely good to this day when, you know, in 20 minute uh, sequences is that he knows where the ball will be. Yeah, he knows how to get to the spot where the ball will be as it arrives. Yeah, this is a this is a soccer intelligence thing when it comes to him more than anything else. And this is a problem I've had with Felipe Hernandez as much as I like Felipe. And I do believe that he uh, offers some things that are interesting in the final third, his box arrival, his ability to be the fourth crasher to the box and get that cut, cut back and, and put it on goal to hit the long shot, all of that stuff. I, I actually like a lot from him, but his midfield pressing and sort of what it seems aimless. It seems like yeah. he's just trying he's real running. hard, Yeah, but there's and, no, and there, there are times when Remy, Remy Voltaire's, uh, game is like that too when similar. he's just kind of running it around is similar. Right? just yeah it's so we're sort of chasing the game yeah. as opposed to influencing it and i think that's the thing that you're talking about with raj roger influenced the game yep. with his ground cover and with his ability to arrive at the ball at the right time yeah that yeah. is what made him so good made him so good at this job and it's candidly hard to replicate that person yeah it, it is um so, and I'm not saying that giving Vermees a pass, but what I'm also saying is, is that you have to recognize that you don't have that person mm-hmm. and that if you're going to consistently control the midfield, you need to figure out a different way to do it 
other than, hey, Raj will handle it. Because I think that there there is a certain amount of that, especially over the last, you know, since he's come back from Wigan. There is something to be said about the fact they won MLS Cup without him. Now, granted, they had Pete Paolo Nagamura in that game, who was a, of a similar ilk to Raj, which I think, you know, does does come into conversation there. Also, they were playing a completely different style yeah. at that point in time. Since they've moved to this positional play, possession-based system, Raj has been, as we've discussed, and as we've gone statistically through several times, and in before we did, talking touches did, talking about like just how integral he was to the success of how the team, the, the, like the number, the, the success of their results. So I, I, I hear you, but I'm also like, Raj ain't been that guy for a couple years now. And right. you still can't figure and, out an alternate plan? N- no, the team's been terrible for a couple of years. Like it's not a coincidence. You have to have you have to be able to control the midfield. And and yes, that means you have to be able to pass through it. We can do that pretty well. We can progress the ball through the midfield, but you have to be able to stop other teams um from from um from passing and dribbling through your midfield. And we have a hard time doing that. Um and and you know Except for those times when Radia is on the field, uh, because we talked about that sort of gravity that that kind of player has. Roger had that gravity uh, to, in a slightly different position, but uh, it's the same thing. It's it's a uh, it's a, a defensive and uh, and um, and positional presence that uh, that affects the game around them and that uh, that makes sure that that you you're not going to play through. Rogers area of the field, you have to figure out something different. You're not going to play through the center of the field when uh, Radia is is out there. You have to figure out something different. And and there's not really players. There's not really any player like that on on Sporting Kansas City squad. And they you have to have you have to have uh, defensive playmakers and 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 uh, um, difference makers just like you have to on uh, on the attack. I think from from the the, the Nemanja Radia perspective, we're stuck with him for a while. You know, he he signed in the off season. He's on a big TAM deal. Like he's not going anywhere for a couple yeah, years. Need, okay, so fine. He so we have to get a, a backup yeah. for him. Right. No, I, mean, I agree with it's you. It's really that I simple. Mean, are you gonna are so are you gonna invest three million dollars of your ten million dollar salary cap into defensive midfielders? Uh, sure, because you know. Uh, that's the most important uh, position on the field for this system. Okay. I mean, I think, I think it, it, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if Radia actually has fitness problems or this is an aberration. It's really difficult for me to make claims in one way or another. We know how this year has gone and it just seems to continue to be a problem getting him on the field regularly. Um, We know what his history is and the number of minutes that he's played. Uh, I, I would have to go through a whole lot of research as to why he was or wasn't playing in matches prior to this. Um, but the fact is, he's not a 3,400-minute guy. And that's what we need out of that position. If you're going to have, like, Elie played 3,000 minutes every year. Like, the, the the when this team was really good when he was there, he was playing that role, and he still does it for LAFC, candidly. Um they need that from that position. And so I think I can agree with you from a perspective of we need an alternate option that is not Remy Voltaire that is capable. 
or at least represents the defensive side of that role enough that you can alter the game model slightly when Roddy is not available and you just make that guy a sweeper. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm I okay prefer, with that. I prefer the term destroyer, but yeah, you be you. Yeah. But it, but it's not, but it's not, uh, no, I never just, had, I just, Raj, I Raj just notwithstanding. Like <laughs> yeah. But I mean, Vermeer is never going to get no, a defensive specialist that cleats guys. He's no. just not, that's never going to be his thing. Um, Jose Martinez never signs for this team. Hmm. It's too bad. We'd be in the playoffs. We'd be in the playoffs if we just had a player you could you could nickname El Brujo. I guarantee it. <laughs> just one. We just need one player. Just just one El Brujo, and and things would go better. I I don't totally disagree with you, but I do. I think that and this this goes to the conversation the 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 point you were making earlier. Is this coaching staff related? Is this technical staff related? Is the idealism related to this staff part of the problem i think all of it's connected right i think the answer to all of those questions is yes in some way right and and some and the answer to all of them is no in some way right like there's just it's it's all connected together and but that's by design of one peter vermes he wants it all connected together and 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 consistent across all of those things and that's how we we end up in this place but i think you and i can both agree and i think most people who listen to this podcast can agree that it's not good enough it's not good enough <laughs> it's really that simple it's not good enough and whatever game model whatever whatever player acquisition model that you want to try if it works great if it doesn't then you just have to admit look it's not it doesn't work and we need to try a different approach and i think that that's that's where this team is and it has it has to be um that has to be recognized by the club because I mean, this, is, this is two straight years missing the playoffs is what it's going to be and um and it's not just that, right? There are lots of other things. I mean, the team just doesn't they they just don't they just don't look right. They just don't play well uh consistently and and um and so um th- uh, there's got to be something uh changed and I don't I don't know what it is and I don't I don't know if it if it will happen, but if if it doesn't, then I think we can uh we can probably um not be surprised when we have similar problems next year. Speaking of next year, we will have a big announcement tomorrow, according to the club, regarding a, a big player announcement is what is, is how it was phrased. Um, probably going to be an Alan Polito contract renewal. Um, so speaking I, of things staying the same. I was hoping maybe they finally they finally nabbed uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, but, you know. <laughs> Probably not, I guess. I I really don't want that. Honestly. No, I don't either. Um, but you know, it would be, it would I be think funny. that yeah, funny. I uh, I guess I don't know if it would be funny. I mean, it would be. I guarantee you, the team would be more entertaining in several ways. Yes, yes. Right? Not 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 necessarily positively. Okay, sure. there would just be entertainment. There would be there would be things to talk about uh-huh. for sure All, every week. Um. I, so I, yeah, obviously it's not Ronaldo, but, um, it is probably 
an Alan Polito renewal. This has been something that's been rumored about for a couple months now, even when all the rumors were going on around Chivas potentially signing him. And there's an, what was the other Mexican? Toluca was supposedly signing him. Um, maybe it was Leon. Maybe it was Club Leon. Anyway, there were there were a couple, you know, teams that were supposedly trying to sign him and that they they couldn't match Sporting Kansas City's gr- crazy salary offers and blah 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 blah. Um there has been some more reporting again, it's out of Mexican outlets, so it's like I I'm always a little dubious about how accurate this information is. But supposedly it's a 3-year deal is what is what they're reporting. A lot of times with international folks, when they when they report three years, it, it can be a two plus one, you know. So it'll be a two year plus one year option, and they'll still call it a three year deal. In in um, especially if the Mexican agent is leaking that to the reporter in Mexico, which is often the case. So I, I would I would be surprised if it's three years guaranteed. But Kyrie Shelton got three years guaranteed, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> There's, I don't know, maybe it is. Um, that would put him through his 35th year uh, on this earth, um, guaranteed. I, I will say this: Polito's been an on an absolute heater since he came back from injury. Yeah, um, he's been the best player on the team. It's not even close. And he continues to score goals, and he's like one goal out of the Golden Boot race, and he's had didn't even play for the first that ten is, games. That is crazy. I mean, he's I mean, <laughs> or first five games, but yeah, he, he was started a sub on, I think about five or six games in a lot of his goals have been, uh, penalties. So there is that, but, uh, we'll take what we can get. And, um, and he, he's still overperforming his XG by like four. Yeah. yeah so yeah. <laughs> like he's, he's still playing really, really well. You gotta have players like that. You gotta have, you gotta have players that have the magic, you know? I mean, the goal he scored against Miami, as soon as he, as soon as he got past Yedlin, I knew it was goal. Like yeah. I knew he was going to put it in the yeah. side netting and he put it in a place calendar couldn't touch it. And as soon as he was in that space with that much time, I knew he was going to put it in the net. And it's nice having that guy. Yeah, it really is nice yeah. having that guy that you just know if he's got that time and space and you can just look at the goal, he's going to put it in a place. They can't save it. And there's just it's really hard to replace that guy. Yeah. Like I can understand some people's concern about giving a three-year deal to a 32 year old forward who just came off a major knee injury like i understand that and has had an injury history as well in his past but also he's been fantastic this year he is basically personally responsible for the fact that we can even discuss sporting's opportunity for making the playoffs this year and he's he's really hard to replace like I understand and be like, oh, we can just go sign another DP striker. Okay, you tell me <laughs> which guy you're going to go sign in, in, in the winter that's going to come to this team that's as good, if not better, than Alan Polito. It's, yeah. di- it's not that simple. It, it, it's really hard. When you find a guy that works in your system this well and is this good and wants to be here, you, sometimes you just you, you go with what you know. Um, now, granted, to your earlier point, Cody, it does also mean that things are going to be kind of the same yeah going forward um polito is going to be one dp it, it appears like it appears that he is definitely going to be a dp i'd be surprised to see him sign this deal for under the tam max especially with all of the posturing in the media about how chivas and leon could not come close to sporting kansas city's offer mm. um so that DP slot is gone. 
if you're going to re-sign Gotti Kinda, which is another conversation we're going to get to here in a second, um, likely that he is going to be over the TAM max as well. So then you, you're, you're kind of limited in what you can do for other players at that point. Right. And that the team is kind of what it is. Tommy's under contract next year. Roddy is under contract next year, both on high TAM deals. Johnny Russell, you could move on from, but I don't see that happening. Right. So he, you know, you, you keep him on a similar deal to what he's got now. Shallow he's on big money, which he should be like all these guys are going to be back next year. Yep. So this is kind of what the team is. <laughs> I know. And I, I, you know, we just got done talking about like, they really need some help in some places. I don't know where they're going to find it. Unless the stuff I've heard about potentially the salary cap opening up this off season happens. There's a lot of conversation about this, especially after Messi going to Miami and just all the things that has sort of changed about teams willingness to invest in clubs. As much as I was, you know, upset to see Facundo Farias playing so well for Miami, Miami paid a shitload of a transfer fee to get him in there. Like, yeah, he's a U 22, but he's on, I mean, I think it's, it's a several million dollar transfer fee that they paid to get him in. He's a, he's a very well um, respected youth player. That's probably not going to be there for much longer, right? He's going to be there maybe 18 to 24 months, and then he's going to get sold to a, a premier league team or something like that, or a big five league team. Um, so he's a, he's a very, very key prospect. Um, and sporting doesn't really have that in their U22s, but, that's what I'm saying. Miami went, not only did they spend all this money on Messi, but they spent a lot of money on these U22 signings to augment their roster as well. And I think it's sort of sh- so showing a, like a shift in what these teams could potentially do with their investments. And it's, it's pushing some of this change on the salary cap side that some less um, ostentatious clubs have been interested in. Um, uh, they, they've been they've been pushing back against these changes in the salary cap. So, if that happens, I think it would be a perfect time for Sporting for that to happen because yeah. they're a little bit hamstrung. I mean, they've got some options, but not a ton. Yep. And um, it would require moving on from some players as well. We've talked about you know the Kyrie Shelton situation. Do they buy him out? to create some flexibility. Maybe they don't have to do that if they're given some flexibility in how the salary cap is managed. So, but that said, if this announcement tomorrow is the Alan Polito contract renewal, which we expect it to be they're under the current salary cap rules, they don't have a whole lot of options. Yep. Uh, um, I don't know what to say other than, Hope Courtney Ford comes back and looks like a best best eleven defender. I... It stays off the juice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I don't know. I don't, what can you say? I mean, again, we we have to hope if 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 the there's no substantial changes that the team is basically what it is this year we have to hope that we really uh have a, a run of good luck to sort of balance out the bad luck that we've had with injuries and whatnot the last couple seasons and and um maybe maybe we can catch a string of games when uh when we can have all of uh the the uh the 
the top quality players uh, playing, you know, in the in the eighteen at least at the same time and and ready to play. And and so we have we have starting quality, we have a little bit of depth, and we have the players who can make the system run because that's what it's going to take. It's going to take uh, as we talked about. I mean, there's not a lot of margin for error. They have to play. Um, they have to play their particular way of playing and they have to play it virtually perfectly. Um, and they do sometimes and, uh, and maybe they can make that. But, but I think, but I think that's the problem. I think you hit the absolute nail on the head, which is the issue with this is that they have to play it virtually perfectly for mm-hmm. this to work. Yeah. Yeah. And if they don't, the whole house of cards falls down. Yeah. And that's the problem that I have with this is that, they're so dependent on everything going exactly right. And when it does, it looks amazing and it's fun and it's enjoyable. But this is MLS, man. Yeah. Everybody's playing with the same salary rules. There's 29 flipping teams, going to be 30. And you can't expect it to all go great all the time. And the problem, and the, the problem, like if you look at the NFL, like that's why there's so much movement up and down the yeah. route, up and down the, the spots every year, because everybody's playing under the same salary rules. Everybody's dealing with the same sort of dependencies related to their spending and all this stuff. And unless you have Patrick Mahomes, you're not going to continually be competitive. Yeah. So what you have to do is maximize like the opportunities when you have the opportunity to be competitive, you have to maximize it. And it can't be so dependent on perfect performances like that that's not how that shit works like it's not going to be consistently successful the the other problem and i i don't remember if we talked about this or if it was something that i thought about after that that i forgot to mention but when you when you when you focus on uh on acquiring and playing so many older players players who are 28 29 30 31 um your your window is perpetually closing, right? It's like it, you it, there's never you, you never have a chance to breathe. Uh, Melia's going to be a year older. Johnny's going to be a year older. I mean, these are players that you need high quality replacements for, and you don't have uh, you don't have the budget um, flexibility in order to do that. Much less get the other stuff that we talked about. And so it's right. uh. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's a, well, but it's you're a, not doing a, a good job enabling. You're not doing a good job enabling the young players that you have in those positions to be those replacements. Like that, that's the secondary issue. No, no nobody, nobody over. believes that that Chonis is a suitable replacement for Johnny Russell. And you know, the the verdicts out on on whether Pulse Camp can be a a, a decent um, uh, enough backup for or or replacement for Amelia. So uh, there's nobody. There's nobody on the horizon, you know? It's like you either have to buy other players but or... The reason nobody believes it is because the coach does won't give them any belief or any yeah. trust to do it, right? I, like, you can't... You can't play Chinese twenty minutes at the end of every game, and and like from that decide he's if he's capable or not. Well, I, I that's don't know. not how that shit works. I don't. I don't know that I totally agree because um, I mean, has has he even scored a goal for Sporting? I mean, maybe one. And and he had and, the one crazy header in Open Cup. I think he's got you, another. one. I don't know if he has another one in. Um, look, man, you you you've, if you're gonna sign a winger, you got to be in this system. You got to be able to score. You have to, and uh, or or assist. Okay, can I and, can I ask you a question? Yeah, how please. many how many how many goals do you think Johnny Russell would score for this team if he played 17 minutes at the end of every game? 
I, more than Shoney's. Um, okay, one or no, two? No, more? no, 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 substantially more. I think Johnny Russell could be an amazing impact sub, especially, just, especially I, I, now. I think it's unreal. Johnny Russell has played thirteen hundred minutes and he has four goals this year. Yeah, it's been a rough okay. year for him. Okay, but that was the same thing. He, it was the same thing last year. <laughs> I, I my my point is my point is that I, I just I if if Marinos Chinese played the same number of minutes as Johnny Russell, he'd probably have similar production. That's all I'm saying. Maybe okay. <laughs> and and I think that I I haven't I haven't seen that from that player so far. So so well, I but, I, I want to be optimistic, but, but the, it, even in the but times you know when... you know you know just as much as anyone that that confidence comes from playing. If you if if you go out if you know that all you're gonna get is twelve minutes at the end of the match and you're just trying to do anything you can to make an impression in that no, twelve you, minutes. No, you're trying to do anything you can to not fuck up because if you fuck up, you'll you're you, never you're, you're, you're not gonna, gonna get the twelve minutes. You're gonna be with the twos and that's that, right? No one will ever. That's you the again. point that I'm making. Yeah, that's the point that I'm making. How does this guy build any level of confidence in what he's doing so that he can actually show his ability if he's in this situation? Then no, no, with no other opportunity. Yep. Yeah. So I, I, again, I'm not debating. Do I think Marino Chinese is as good at soccer as Johnny Russell? No, I do not. I'm not. I'm obviously being a little bit of a of a devil's advocate about yeah. that part of it. But what I am saying is, is that there's no opportunity for us to figure out how good he can be at this game. Yeah. Because there's no confidence being given to towards him to attempt to. I think another yep. another point that's worth mentioning is you know is when we talk about uh, pulse camp's the same problem by the right. way the we, exact same problem when we talk about these young players is it's not just it's not just you know bringing them on out of context and looking what they do it's about developing rapport with their teammates and um, and who's to say that that if you have Jonison and um, um, Kate and Pierre out there that that those guys don't establish a, a, a an attacking rapport and and play off of one another and KP has been another. hurt all year so that, right. that that's a little bit of a hard no, no, one. No, I'm no, not, no, not going to blame the I'm organization saying, for I'm KP, saying for but. I'm saying for like next year like like when you're talking about young players developing and and earning time on the field like who's to say that 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 doesn't have the possibility to develop into uh into a a, a good on field relationship you we don't know because they don't ever play and um and my main issue is is that there it's not just that they don't get to play together and build that it's that marino's chinese never gets to go out on the field where he is the one guy different from yeah. the regular starting 11 where he gets to play right. with alan polito and john and and and, and uh daniel shallowy and gadi kinda and eric tommy and the Radia. he doesn't ever get to play with that group of people on the yeah. field it's just the so you never finish. get to you never get to see him with those guys at their peak you get to see him as the fifth sub at the end of a match He's and like so there's like the Connor Tehan of uh, Sporting Kansas City. I don't know if you know who that is. It's a it's a Jayhawk reference, you know. Okay. One of, one of the one of the guys that sits on the bench, and then when you have a blowout, you know, they put him on. Everybody and, cheers when he hits a three. And I think that that like that's a thing. Like uh, John Pulskamp got to start some matches when this team was completely yeah, depleted. That's a really excellent point. Yep. 
and has we didn't been, get to see yep. we didn't get to see John Polskamp with the Manya Radia in front of him or uh-huh. Danny Rosero. He never yeah. played any matches with Rosero. Very so true. like we we never got to see what he was capable of. He made some outstanding saves for the twos this weekend. Yeah. I mean, the fact they lost was more because I mean, well, there was some pretty crazy refereeing, along with the fact that Phil Haber has them playing in a pretty chaotic, like we go for it all the time kind of philosophy, which I can I can at least respect. Um, but Pulskamp played great in that game and he obviously has skills, but we're not, we're not able to actually evaluate them effectively because Mm -hmm. the only time that they're in games is when shit's gone really bad. Yeah. Or we're so far up that it doesn't matter. Yeah. And, and I think that that, that, that is a, that is an issue. You can't evaluate players in practice. I'm sorry, man. You just can't. I, I just will, I will argue to my death with Peter Vermees about this. You cannot decide whether a player is good enough or not to do something in training. I mean, it, it, there are levels to this. Obviously he can look at you and I in training and know that we're not fit to play for this team. I get that. Speak for yourself, man. (laughs) But Hey, I score, I score bangers only drew. (laughs) <laughs> yeah me too because i'm not running so all i'm doing scoring bangers uh but but that's but that's what i'm saying it's like you cannot effectively evaluate especially a guy that you spent millions of dollars to bring yeah, to this club that's the wild you can't thing. effectively evaluate him in training yeah it just doesn't work and and I I can I can go on and on about whether he's the right type of fit for this team and the scouting department and all that other kind of stuff and 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 whatnot. But I just I'm I'm frustrated by the fact that I feel like we have an opinion of some of these players because they're only shown to us in certain circumstances. Yeah. And I those agree. are not ideal. I agree. As as we've discussed before, it's. You know, it, the, uh, the, the there's an element of quality coaching that is really just making sure that you put your players in a position for them to succeed, and um, uh, and he's that's not happening with him, and that very rarely I will happens say, with. I will with say this players. about Chinese: Chinese subbed on for the last 35 minutes of Cyprus's match against Spain, where they mm-hmm. got waxed because you would expect they would. He was the only player on Cyprus that actually took a shot in that game. So you can say, and he, it was a good shot. Like he actually made Casillas make a save. So like he was actually some, he was the only player on that team that created any type of danger of any kind. So I I mean, now the fact that he can't get on the field for a team that's obviously that bad nationally, like that's a separate issue. Right. Um, But still, I, I just, I think that they're, as we've discussed on this podcast so many times, I'm not going to get into it again. They're just, they're not doing a great job of attempting to bring young players along. And a lot of other teams in MLS are using, and they're using the capability to use young players, which is a cheat code in the salary cap Mm -hmm. to have high quality youth players and Mm -hmm. enable them. It's Mm -hmm. a cheat code in the salary cap. This team does not do it effectively. No. And that is, that is a competitive disadvantage. And that's what frustrates me the most about it. Okay, let's move on to our friend Gaddy Kenda. And <laughs> apparently he pissed off Peter Vermees. Um, I, I like I don't even know where to go with this. I, I'm just gonna give you guys the cliff notes. 
Um, Gotti obviously was not available to play against St. Louis, uh, according to reporting from the club or information from the club. He was not even able to train on Friday before the game. Uh, do they really train the day before the game? They really don't train. I don't know. I'm sure they tested his injury or something like that before the game. And he, he was not the, the day before the game. He was not capable of doing any type of activity that they needed him to do. So obviously that's why he was held out against St. Louis and then um, the Israeli Federation, I guess, still asked to call him or actually asked to evaluate them, evaluate him themselves. Which sort of annoyed Peter for obvious reasons. Um, I mean, in fairness, like I'm sure they're proud of their their medical staff and on all of the you know things that they do there. And I'm not going to impugn Sporting Kansas City's medical staff, for their capability to understand the injury recovery time of a player. But I will they, say they that, have a lot of experience. So, you know, <laughs> they, they do have a lot of experience dealing with injured players. A lot. a lot about that. Uh, <laughs> a lot. But but that said, I, I, sport, the, the problem sporting has here is they've done this shit before. They did it with Roger Espinoza. They acted like he was injured so he wouldn't go to a Honduras camp and then started him two days later. So, like, I understand <laughs> where the level of cynicism comes from when it comes to another uh, federation and, and, and how this goes down. But they asked to evaluate it themselves. Gotti obviously wanted to go because if he doesn't take a call up, that's really bad for a player. Like, if you want to play for your national team and they try to call you up and you say, no, nah, I can't go, like – for someone who's on the fringe of a national team, that could be like, you never get called again. So like, I, this is a, this is a tough situation for him. And obviously, and then Vermees was out in the press being upset about it. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated with them and I'm frustrated with Gotti and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, bro, what do you expect? Like (laughs) this guy, he's coming off of a major knee surgery and his 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 national team federation is interested in calling him in to camp for UEFA qualifiers, and Israel, Israel has a legitimate shot of making Euros next year. Like they have a legitimate shot at it, and he probably wants to play in Euros, wouldn't you? Like, yeah. So, if I'm I was the Israeli bit... fed, I'd be like, dude, your team is ass. You know that, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> like, why are you why are you pushing back so hard on this? Your come team on. sucks. Yeah, Uh, yeah, that's the best way to play. Your team is ass. That is that is the best description of the night. That might be the title of this pot of this podcast this week. Your team is ass. Um, Where where were those games? Where were the where were the Israeli national teams games? One of them was Romania, and uh, where did they play yesterday? Um, They won in stoppage time. But I forget who it was against Lithuania. No, hmm. Romania was the first one. I'd have to, I'd have to do some searching on the second one. Um, but they were at Romania, and I think the second match was in Israel because they they wouldn't have had both both games away. Well, I know they were at that, Romania. That explains it. You know, Gotti left. Uh, Gotti left for shawarma and falafel. It's <laughs> and I I cannot blame him because I it, mean it's worth it. It's hard to find a good one here. That's <laughs> fair. It, it's, it's 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 a little dark out there trying to find a good shawarma. Look, it's it's uh it's gotten a lot better in the last like year or two, a lot better. So yeah, if you want to wait in line for an hour. No, I have uh I have other uh other places that are top notch. Well, I'm sure you do, but I don't want to drive 20 minutes for a shawarma. 
Like, uh, like Dude, the one that's near me is like just is a line it. for lunch. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so you're talking about Baba's? Yeah, Baba's is yeah. like a mile from my house. Yeah. So that's good stuff, and it is delicious. Yeah, it is delicious. But anyway, um, I, I don't. I mean, I hope this is just a bunch of venting. Like, uh, I, I think that. Um, the, the, the one thing that we have to take from this is got is out of contract at the end of this year. So we're making a major player announcement tomorrow. That's probably Alan Polito, but got is out of contract too. And, um, I guess, you know, you create some flexibility if you, if you move on from him, but I also, you know, he's a quality player when he's available. So I don't, I don't, I don't know that I necessarily love that idea. But uh, I guess, you know, if we're talking all the flexibility we're talking about, we need the club to have the one thing when I let me go, let me step back really quick. The one thing about the salary cap that I wish they would change is this whole your third DP has to be a young DP or a tamable DP for you to use all your U22 slots. Like, just let's just get rid of that bullshit. Yeah. Like, just if, if you have three DPs, you have three U22s. You know what I mean? Like, why are we doing this nonsense? That that that's like the dumbest thing on earth. That was just like created by people who don't want to spend money. Yep. Like, I, which is weird because like the clubs that don't want to spend money are like the Colorado Rapids and Stan Kroenke spent like seven billion dollars building a football stadium in in uh, L.A. But he doesn't want to. <laughs> the 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 two hundred million dollar. What, what did they spend for Declan Rice? What did Arsenal spend for Decl- Declan Rice? Freaking a hundred. 110 million pounds yeah for Declan Rice for a holding but, midfielder but but this guy is like nah I don't want I don't want you, you're gonna have to pull it back Colorado Rapids you're 18 million you know or whatever whatever they spend on salaries like 10 million dollars they spend on salaries too much it's too much too much of an expectation anyway um We'll see kind of what happens with the salary cap, but obviously uh, I don't think Gotti has enough service years to be a free agent though. So he's out of contract, but not a free agent. So that does help a little bit from sporting's perspective. Yeah. Now granted, he can just go back to Israel and get that shawarma and play for Maccabi Tel Aviv or whoever. Um, and he would have the opportunity to play for the Israeli national team. If he did that, there's plenty of players on that team that play in Israel's uh, league right now. Uh, the Israeli league sucks. It's way worse than MLS. It does, but it, it's not going to stop him from getting access to playing for the national team. Yeah. Those people love, love, love their football, but man, they can't play for shit. So it's a weird, it's a weird uh, dichotomy. Yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Um, so, I mean, what does all this stuff really mean? I don't, I don't know that we really have any idea, but I just found it interesting that, for Peter to go in the press and be this yeah, sort of grumpy about it uh, publicly means it, it really did piss him off. Yep. I don't think he would do that otherwise. So yep. um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Okay, real quick tactical corner this week. Uh, it was something that uh, I noticed when uh, Willie Agata came on in this match. We, we alluded to it earlier. Uh, against Miami, we saw Agata and Polito playing at the same time. And it was basically a 4-4-2 with uh, Tommy playing as the left wide midfielder. And then um, uh, Russ, well, who was it? Was it Shelton, I guess, mostly was playing as on the right side of it. Um, so it was, uh, it was Tommy... 
um, Voltaire, Radoya, and then Russell, and then Shelton were kind of across across that line, and you had um, Agata really playing in the center, and the Polito sort of roaming around, although he did sort of shade into the left side where Shallow would be a lot. Um, that's, again, what we discussed earlier when he scored the goal. He was he was very far left and then cutting in um, to get there. It kind of played a little bit like a 4-2-4 in attacking uh, situations, which is something we used to see Sporting do a little bit back in 2018. Uh, sometimes it would bring Shelton on to play in a 4-2-4 um, to try and create goals at the end of games. So it is something that um, we've seen before, um, but was different. And I just wanted to bring it up because I, it was different. And it was, a, it was a shape that I was trying to figure out what it would look like. Because Vermees did discuss the opportunity of getting both Agata and Polito on the field at the same time and what that would give them. And I do think it did give Sporting the opportunity and they created significant goal chances at the end of this game. So if they're chasing a goal late, I think it does give them the opportunities to do exactly that. And I wanted to kind of talk about why that is the case and what it changes for Sporting as far as how their spacing works and who's in what areas. Um, I think to your point, it was a little bit of YOLO soccer, they just kind of went and did it, and it wasn't as uh, descriptive from a positional play perspective. I mean, I think the guys were doing a good job of rotating into spaces as other guys occupied them. They understood the concepts, like the concepts of positional play were still there, but I don't think the defined areas were as specific, and maybe that's what created a little bit of confusion for Miami to defend it. Um, we also saw Tim Leibold playing right back for a lot of that and getting high on the right side, which is something you don't normally see uh, sporting getting a whole lot of, especially with Jake Davis in that position. So I don't know if there's anything that you took from it. I, I just, I, you know, the, my main thing that I took from it is there was a double pivot on the field. And I think a Radia Voltaire double pivot can function. And that's something that I've said for a while. In some ways, running a system like that is just a, it, it helps because it simplifies things, right? You have, since you only have two midfielders, you only have to worry about, you know, two players rotating and covering for one another. And it's naturally a more, um, a more positionally conservative uh, system. Um, and the other thing is that instead of a single center forward, you've got two players up there who are able to play off of one another. And, and, um, and that that can be a problem, right? If you if you've got if you've got two guys who have good rapport with one another who are able to lay the ball off for one another, or, or uh, um, you know if you have you have Polito dropping and 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 Agata running, um, and they're able to you know facilitate that interchange, um, you can really cause problems for uh, for defenses. Um, but but. You know, <laughs> as you pointed out, like the game states matter, and uh, um, uh, the uh, the Miami team was just kind of holding on for dear life a, a little bit, and um, it's not a way to play like every game, right? I mean, if you if you kind of kind of tried it out there, trying to win every game with that formation, it would be a uh, it'd be a wild ride, that's for sure. Um, it'd be fun, <laughs> yeah. but but I don't know that I it would be I successful. Don't... 
Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a regular starting. It would never be a starting lineup sort of situation. I think it's more of a end of game, you know, try to uh, overwhelm the opponent type thing. Although once they've seen it a number of times, the opponent will be ready and will start to adjust their defensive posture to deal with it. But I do think that um, Agata and Polito on the field at the same time does offer some value to sporting. Um, Agata, while his um, final shot has not really been there so far since he's come back from injury, he is definitely very active and he is he he creates problems for center backs. Mm-hmm. And that's that was the player that we saw at the end of last year when he came to the team. He created problems for center backs. They had to deal with him. And um, if you can pull center backs away from Alan Polito, that's a good news situation for sporting. And I think so. I think from that perspective, I like it. And again, I like a double pivot. I think this team is much more stable in a double pivot. I just, I I think a single pivot just exposes this back line more than it needs to be. And when this back line is exposed, it's problematic as we spent an hour talking about already. So I think that from all of those things are potential positives, especially at the end of a game when people are a little bit more tired and exposing the back line is even more problematic. So I think all of those things can be positives. And I think that there are, you know, you could even in a situation where you need to rest Polito, like we're about to play a midweek game, we're about to go. So we've got at Minnesota and then they're back to Children's Mercy Park for a Wednesday and a Saturday. If you've got a rest Polito and start Agata, you can bring Polito on at the hour mark and and you've got an you've got a half hour of both of those guys on the field, or you can kind of rotate through it at that point. There there's there's opportunities to do some different things with the lineup, which I do think is valuable. Especially if you're struggling to create the overloads and the switches and things that they like to do with their tradition traditional positional play four three three. Yep, I don't disagree, but we're not going to see any of that versus Minnesota. So, <laughs> no, I, I mean, and it's in Minnesota. I, yeah, I, we'll we'll get to that preview here in a second. But yeah, I mean, uh, with a week off, yeah, we're going to get what we normally get yep. for that game. All right, uh, potpourri, just like your favorite Jeopardy category. This is where we discuss one, in this case, two topics. It could be anything in around the Sporting Kansas City MLS soccer sphere. I don't know how close of attention you've been playing to this, paying to this Bruce Arena situation, but um, things in New England have been kind of uh, chaotic, I guess, over the last few days. Uh, again, the cliff's note: the cliff notes are uh, Bruce Arena has been under investigation for. Um, I gotta find the quote, but it is inappropriate and insensitive remarks. Um, alleged inappropriate and sensitive remarks. The Major League Soccer announced on Saturday that quote-unquote certain allegations were confirmed. And on the heels of that, Arena submitted his resignation as head coach of the New England Revolution. Uh, The other part of the MLS uh, release was that if Arena wanted to coach in MLS again, he would have to petition the commissioner for reinstatement. So, Whatever his remarks were, they were significant enough to create a situation where more review would be required for him to have continued employment as a coach in MLS. Um, we've seen this happen in NWSL as well uh, with, with coaches where they just sort of like, hey, look, you're kind of off in banished land. And if you 
you're going to have to come ask us if you want to work here again. And you're going to have to show contrition and, and do some things to, to meet our requirements to be able to be employed here. Um, I'm not going to get into any suppositions about what Bruce Arena said or what might have caused this. Um, I, there has been some reporting by The Athletic that his longtime assistant coach, Richie Williams, who has been the interim head coach uh, during this administrative leave period uh, was the one who reported it supposedly again this is reporting by the athletic I'm just sort of repeating what they reported that they have a source that said that that Richie Williams may have been the one that actually reported the infraction um <laughs> then there's all of this crazy then then they uh after arena uh resigned they were supposed to train on Tuesday and there's all kinds of varied reporting as to actually what happened as to why they didn't train on Tuesday. There's some reporting in, in the athletic that there was a meeting with Brian Bellello and that the, 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 um, the players didn't find that sufficient. And so then they had a separate meeting with, for like two hours with more coaching staff and that on the heels of that, for some reason they decided not to practice. There's, there's, Varying reports as to what, why they didn't practice. The, there's some reporting that the players refused to practice, although Matt Polster has told another person, another reporter that they never refused not to practice and refused to practice. And they came to this agreement, you know, uh, jointly and blah, blah, I don't know. Anyway, there's a whole lot going on here. Now, Shaori Joseph, and I'm sorry, I forget the other uh, assistant coach's name uh, underneath Richie Williams. Both of them have been let go. Richie Williams is still employed by the New England Revolution, but it appears unclear what his role is within the organization. And they have elevated the two, the, the head coach and assistant coach from the twos, the New England Revolution two team, to be the interim coaches of the Revs for the time being. Um, so, so just remember, yeah. folks, it can always be worse. Yeah. <laughs> if you think and and the revs are the se are like what they're second in the east right uh -huh. now and and they just <laughs> and they just sold the and they just sold uh their one of their best players their keeper so you know it's going to be a Georgia Pekovic to it's Chelsea gonna, for like what 11 million pounds yeah, or something like yeah, that it's going to be or a, 17 be million pounds it was something it was, it was pretty season. significant yeah i i, I mean and uh, there's all kinds of reporting on the athletic about this. Pablo Maurer and Tom Bogert have a lot of information on this that will get you much more up to date on it. I understand the athletic is a paid website, but I'm telling you like that. If you want the details on this kind of stuff, that's where you got to go to get it. Um, but I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people making assumptions about this and I don't want to make any of those. I just think this whole situation is wild. It's pretty crazy. Um, it's obvious that the, uh, the players were not, um, they, they were not, they did not feel appropriately co uh, convinced of why Bruce Arena was leaving and they felt some kind of way about it. And yeah. I mean, for, for the longest time, Bruce has been known as a player's coach. Yep, and that he has, yeah, but the respect but but and, also as someone who uh, who's not afraid to speak their mind and be a little bit oh, crass and you know, bombastic doesn't even begin to describe this guy. Like he's very, he can be very. I mean, there, there's reporting in some of these articles from 20 years ago. They're like Bruce is an asshole. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, like he he's known for being this guy. He's known for being very vocal, being outwardly vocal, being very um and and and, and sort of unapologetic in his point of view. And crusty. <laughs> that's another way of describing it. <laughs> he seems kind of crotchety. Crusty. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, but I, so again, I'm not making any assumptions about what was said or what was done. I I really don't know any of that detail. MLS is keeping it really close to the vest about what the details are. Um, the fact that Richie Williams is the only member of that staff that is still an employee of the New England Revolution should tell you some things about. Um. Concern about retaliation and, and other things that, that could be at play here. Um, you can tell that the Revs front office desperately wants to move on from this. Mm-hmm. Well, for obvious reasons, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, to Cody's point, it, it could always be worse. Now, granted, the Revs are, pro- are definitely going to make the playoffs, so maybe it isn't worse. I don't know. Um, I think this is worse. Yeah, I mean, it, it's... I mean, the Revs have been a very poorly run organization for a long time, which is kind yeah. of interesting because the Patriots are such a, you know, they're 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 looked at as a model of how to run an organization. So it's kind of wild how badly the Revs are run. But um, yeah, this they they looked like be, they were becoming a, you know, reasonably uh, reputable team in MLS with Arena as the head coach, and then this all happened. So maybe yep. not. Anyway, it's it's a pretty wild one. Um, definitely one to get your popcorn out and sort of keep an eye on. Um, the other thing for Potpourri this week, the U.S. Women's National Team. Um, if they play two teams ranked in the 70s from the Asian Federation, did it really happen? I don't know. I did. Certainly no one in San, St. Louis watched it, the supposed, the supposed uh, um, soccer capital of America, according yeah. to Greg Berhalter. <laughs> I mean, uh, I was I was embarrassed for them, and I know that there are like a lot of they cab- don't care. There are that's the thing cab- about St. Louis fans; they don't care. Yeah. They don't care. They're not embarrassed. They don't give a shit. <laughs> that's the thing. They're they'll they'll tell you how great they are as fans, regardless of whether or not they showed up for the U.S. Men's yeah, National Team. This is uh, not good. Um, there are a lot of caveats. Yeah. Uh, U.S. Soccer U.S. Soccer first of all charges way too much money for tickets to their games. Yep, and secondly does not allow the hosting team to do any type of marketing to try to sell the tickets for them. They do every, they, they, it's just, there's a whole lot of going on there when it comes yep. to us soccer. I've, I've got some issues with how that you, 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 you hear the right words coming out of like the new leadership there, but you still see them operating the same way. And you're just like, yeah, well, I'm going to wait till I see some changes in operating behavior yep. before I believe any of it. Um, the things that I would, that I took away, um, Looked but just, pretty... just let me, can, can I, I, I'm yeah. sorry, I should have said when, uh, but I, I just wanted to mention that that's it's it's a terrible way to grow the game, right? Um, because you want you want kids to be able to go to uh, to to soccer games. You want kids to be able to go see their national national team play. And when tickets are forty dollars to go watch, you know, the team play Uzbekistan. I mean, that's it's silly. You know, that's the cheapest. I I, I, doubt, I doubt that. Did were there actual forty dollar tickets available? Because I mean, that's allegedly seems cheap for allegedly soccer. allegedly. They might maybe, have been. They maybe, might have been in the maybe upper. twelve hours before. Maybe twelve hours before the game, when they realized yeah. that they had only sold half the stadium. They did that. They might have been out um, of the lower bowl. They might have been up top. So, I, and, and Minnesota had similar problems. It wasn't yeah. quite as bad as St. Louis, but it was not full for sure. Um, I and and 
KC has had those problems too for sure. friendlies that sure. are irrelevant friendlies. The Uruguay match was full for sure. The the three games in the Gold Cup right out of COVID where they had they were here for all three and it was three games in six days. Other than Canada, they we, they struggled to fill it up. Um, but again, that's three games in six days in one market. Like you can't get three people to you can't pe- get people to spay it, spend a hundred dollars on a ticket three days three times in six days. It's just not yep. gonna happen. Um, anyway, I, U.S. soccer and their you know their stated goal of growing the game in the United States while still charging you know average of one hundred and fifty dollars a seat is it's hard to square those two things that notwithstanding us men's national team did play some games they they got a goal early a nice tim way banger against uzbekistan and then spent 90 minutes trying to figure out how to break him down after that um and did not do so until stoppage time uh they got a couple nice a couple goals at the end and why the why did it take him the so long was. why did it take him so long it's because they were trying to play with a crappy number six that's why <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Luca Della Torre is not a six. No, he, he, he. They were playing fine when he was there. It was. It was. He broke his nose, and they put in Tessman, and then that's uh, when. Yeah, that's when things gummed down. Can people explain to me what the? Uh, can you explain to me what the infatuation is with Tanner Tessman? Like I don't understand it. Big, strong, runs fast. You know, it's a, he's it's a bad a, soccer player, dude. Yeah, I don't think he's any good either. He but, he he does like he is. <laughs> he is the the um, the complete description of sporting Kansas City. Does some really good shit. Does some really terrible shit. Yeah. Like there, he like I've seen him like hit really good set pieces and 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 be really aggressive in the final third. And then I've also seen him like get dispossessed at the absolute worst possible time when there's no cover behind him. Yeah. Like he's just and and it's usually because he's fucking around with the ball at the wrong time. Like I just don't understand. The, like the, uh, anyway, don't get me started. Um, <laughs> Yunus Musa played at the six against Oman and was very good, like really he's, good. He's just a good player. He's a good soccer player, and I think he's actually better in that position because it allows him to get on the ball deep and carry it forward. I think the, the problem with Yunus is that he's got like the the eighteen is lava. The opponent's eighteen is lava. Like he doesn't yeah. go in there. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's 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 regardless of what position he plays. I mean, he's just not that player. As soon as he gets there, it's like stop. Yeah, I've gone too it's far. A, it's a very, it's a very Darlington Nagby way to play. You know, it's just uh, he's got a similar game. Honestly, he does. He really does. He he's almost he's, impossible to get the ball off of, and he can carry it forty yards. He's, like he's, like, he's like he's like a cross between Nagby and Adama Traore. He's just uh, you know, he's a handful. Yeah, but he did he did play very well at the six, and then our guy Weston McKinney against Oman. Was dealing. Yeah, was absolutely dealing, dude. Dropping dimes from everywhere, um, hitting the big switch over and over to Sergio Dest, um, dropping stuff in. Like, dude was, he was. Uh, yeah, if Dest if Dest could hit a shot, you know, McKinney would have like a hat trick of assists. So yeah, that's true. That is a fact. Um, but it, it, he st- it was still good. It's, it's good to see Serge out there. Yep. Malik Tillman was playing the right side at eight, sort of 10 kind of position, the Gio Reyna position, as I like to call it. I He was fine. He's I'm not as high on him as a lot of other people are. He was okay. I mean, yeah. I think he think I think he play he he plays like a player that's 
uh, of Gio Reyna's quality without being Gio Reyna's quality. Mm-hmm. So he's just sort of, you know, a little bit too nonchalant and a little bit too um, just walking around and big big shot in the game when he's not the big shot. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like, bro, you're going to have to try a little harder <laughs> until you're actually a big shot status because you're not yep. there right now. But they did play well. Um, other than Christian Pulisic continues to take corner kicks. And I don't know why. It's terrible. You saw as soon as Brendo got on the field and he started taking set pieces, all of a sudden they immediately got infinitely yep. better. And Brendo's not that great at him. No, I mean, he's this, not. The free, kick, the free kick goal he scored was terrible defending by it was, Juan. It was, it was un- hilarious. <laughs> it, was it was unbelievably poor. It was, but, it was yakety sacks defending, dude. It was ridiculous. <laughs> but he put it on frame. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he he yep. made them he made them make a play on the ball. And like Pulisic so much, he, he, hits, he hits set pieces that don't, ever causes the defenders to do anything yeah he just it's he doesn't wild. have he doesn't have the touch right he doesn't have that what that touch that 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 puts that um the whip and the curl on the ball like Pulisic just he doesn't have that and uh, and you can't be a, a even an above average set piece taker without that yeah i just i i guess is he the best set piece guy in that starting lineup? I guess. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I've, I mean, I've never seen Wea take a set piece, but you know, I think you want Wea around the box anyway. You want so, Wea to to try and get on the end of something, right? Maybe a Dest. Maybe Dest would be a good set piece taker. Yeah, you would think. Usually, one of your fullbacks is last man back on set pieces, so right. that, that gets a little hard. From your defensive rotations, if you've got him taken, I don't want. Play. I don't want Jess to be the last man back. No, it's usually Jedi. It's usually Jedi. Let him take him. Back. him. <laughs> they had they had Lund out there uh, in the second game because Jedi was had a mild tweak, I guess, of something. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I was I I felt I felt much better about the second match than the first match. Um, I think they're still trying to figure out how to use Balogun. Yeah, he's he's very fox in the box type forward, and they're just not very good at finding that player with their current their current um, game model. So they've got some work to do. And even Bearhalter even said it after the match. He's like, "Well, I really liked his runs and where he was getting. It's just the guy's got to figure out how to get the ball to him." Manchester cutbacks, man, that's the way to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean it. It it, he's there for them, and you got the way, and you got the wingers to do them just. You just got to get it going. And fullbacks. Both of those yeah. guys get wide and deep. Like, yep. it's not like you can't you can't make that happen. They just got to start looking for that pass. Yep. Okay. Uh, one thing to look for. San, San, uh, San, yeah. Sporting Kansas City. Easy for me to say. Heads to Minnesota this weekend. Um, Emmanuel Reynoso, since um, coming back from whatever – whatever he came back from i the reporting is varied on this i'm not going to get into i mean there's reports that he pulled a gun on a kid and was under arrest um but yeah there uh, was potentially facing trial um that has since gone away and now he's back in minnesota playing soccer i'm not even going to get into to put the 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 puts or takes of that whole situation but he has been uh very good uh, as far as a soccer player is concerned, um, 
since he has returned to Minnesota. And then obviously they signed Timu Puki in the summer window, so they actually have a reliable striker, um, which has been Minnesota's problem for the longest time, is that they just they underperform their XG regularly because they just have not been able to get a reliable striker there. So they are a, um, a dangerous team, um, not completely unbeatable, I don't think. They've given up a lot of goals. But also they score a lot lately. Um, they're averaging like 1.7 XG per game in the last 10, and they've only lost once across that time. Now they've given up a lot of draws in that period. They've only won, I think, four of those games. So they've got like five draws in that time period. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I struggle to, I mean, the, the one thing that I will say is sporting tends to always play well against Minnesota Yeah, for whatever reason. Their I, game model seems to work against Adrian Heath's. It doesn't but. matter. It doesn't matter how much I criticize Peter Vermes. I will always prefer him to Adrian Heath. I always uh, think I think think my lucky stars that uh, that man is not our uh, manager. So there's that. <laughs> yeah, we we spent about an hour um, being very fairly grumpy about the situation with this club and the fact that we don't see a whole lot of opportunity for it to change any of any any time anytime soon of any yeah. significance but that said there are much worse situations yep yep um yeah you're right i no you couldn't i would i you know i have a lot of people uh, in my friend group and people that i know that have season tickets that are considering you know what they want to do with tickets next year and a variety of other things. And I'm not, I'm the last person to tell someone how, how they should spend their money. I know, you know, ticket pricing went up as it does every year and it's hard to take a ticket price increase after two years of this nonsense. And I can understand anyone that would decide, Hey, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, for sure. Um, but I, 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 w- I would say that, um, there, that, <laughs> there are a lot worse situations in this league than what we're dealing with right now, for sure. Um, and I, I, I'm frustrated by what's going on for sure. But, um, I want to, I just want, I want to see like a, uh, like a reality TV show or something where, um, uh, sporting, uh, the sporting front office just, you know, brings in, uh, some uh, an Argentinian number ten like Reynoso, and just says hey, Pablo Gomez is available on a free, dude, and just gives them gives that player to Vermes and just stands back and watches what happens. Because man, I don't even He's, I don't I don't even know what Vermes would do. It would they, be uh, they, Pablo Gomez got released from his contract. It's yeah, one of my was he one at? of my favorites, man. Levante or where was he at? Betis or something like that in Spain after leaving Atalanta. Love he's like guy. 30, 34, 35. Yeah. yeah. He's probably still got some in him. Yeah. Bring Papu in for like a half season. Just let him cook. Yeah. Oh, I, he would he would cook an MLS, man. He really would. Even at this age, he would he would cook a little bit. We so. need some of that sauce, man. That's the thing this team's missing is that sauce. <laughs> 
I'm not, I'm the never, vibes. never going to disagree with that because uh, this team does not have that. And man, I, I love that. Uh, that's one of, honestly, you know, MLS gets a lot of shit, but uh, if by Euro snobs and, you know, people who, who prefer um, other types of soccer, but, but really one of the best, absolute best things about MLS is that, you know, they, they still employ uh, many of the teams, those traditional number 10s, those South American number 10s. And, you know, those, those are, those are fun players to watch, man. And they've kind of been left behind. They get to watch one play against us on, on, uh, on Saturday. Yep. The, those those are those are guys that they're they're worth the price of admission, you know, just to watch players like that do what they do. For sure. Well, uh, like I said, maybe that's our major player announcement tomorrow. Yeah, Papu that, Gomez to Sporting yeah, Kansas City. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh I would be the only person in Kansas City who would be excited, and so uh, the the takes about oh, we sign another thirty five year old midfielder. Uh, like everybody would be so Reddit would be a flame. It yeah. would be absolutely a flame. Come <laughs> uh, on, that one. Uh, he's still available. Yeah, he was at Sevilla. Sorry, I knew he was in. He was in La Liga playing somewhere. Um, he was at Sevilla, and they terminated his contract. So, uh, anyway, um, that's all I got. All right. So on that note, I'm Drew. He's Cody. We will talk to y'all next week. Bye.